Genetically modified organisms, commonly known as GMOs, is a very important topic when it comes to food issues, climate change, population, nutrition, and many other relevant topics pertaining to people, land, and food. Yet, just like many other relevant topics, there is a lot of misunderstanding and confusion around GMOs. I am myself confused about GMOs, so I decided to make this podcast. After my research, I think that the pros for GMOs outweighs the cons. After all, whether you realize it or not, GMOs have likely been consumed by you for decades now. The definition of genetically modified organisms is a hazy topic. For instance, author Nathaniel Johnson wrote that I've come to the the conclusion that GMO is a cultural construct. It's a metaphor we use to talk about a set of ideas. It doesn't map neatly onto any clear category in the physical world. It is important to understand that genetic engineering is different from the conventional method of selectively breeding plants and animals to get desired traits. So then, what exactly is a GMO? One common definition is that GMOs are genetically engineered food that has had its DNA, RNA, or proteins manipulated by intentional human intervention. Using this definition, GMOs have become useful and pervasive in society. There are GMOs that reduce pesticide spraying, and GMOs that increase pesticide spraying. There are GMOs designed to serve monoculture, and GMOs made for small farmers with mixed plots. There are GMOs made to work hand-in-hand with herbicides, and there are also GMOs controlled by big corporations, corporations and GMOs given away for free by universities. GMOs have officially been on the market in the United States since 1994, ever since the introduction of tomatoes called Flavor Saver that is that had been engineered to ripen more slowly. Now that you have a rough idea of what a genetically modified organism is, how are they made? First, the scientists need to find an organism that contains the traits they would like their crop to have. For example, scientists identified a protein in Bt soil bacteria that can kill pests like rootworm, but isn't harmful, harmful for mammals to consume. So they began creating Bt crops, which are very common on the market nowadays. Secondly, They then extract the DNA from the soil bacteria. There are numerous ways to extract the DNA. We do not need to go into the scientific details because to understand them would require a science degree that I do not have. Third, when extracting DNA, it is important to be aware that scientists don't want the entire bacterial genome. In this example, they just want the specific gene that controls the production of the pest-killing Bt protein. So they use a process called gene cloning to isolate and make many copies of the Bt gene. Fourth, Next, the scientists may want to modify the Bt gene. This is done in a lab machine by tearing the gene apart with enzymes and repairing certain regions. This makes it possible for scientists to design crops so that the Bt gene is only produced in the green leaves so that only that part of the plant has the pest-killing protein. In this example, the actual crop uh, parts that would be consumed by humans would not have the pest-killing protein. Fifth. The newly modified transgene is now ready to be inserted into the crop's DNA. There are a variety of ways to do this. One method is to use a type of bacteria called agrobacterium that can naturally transfer the transgene to the nucleus of the plant cells. There's also the gene gun, which essentially shoots very tiny gold particles coated with the copies of the transgene into the plant cells. This process often has to be repeated hundreds of times before the transgene is successfully integrated into the corn's DNA. If and when the genome has been successfully inserted into the corn cells and a new plant with a tree is grown from these cells, the, the, the genetic engineering is done. The new transgenic corn is now handed over to the crop breeders so they can breed it with other corn in more traditional ways to, success, to select for other desirable traits. Unsurprisingly, based on what you know about 
how to create a GMO now. You would know it's not easy to create GMO crops. Yet the, techno the technology, of course, keeps improving every single year. For instance, CRISPR allows researchers to edit, cut out, and replace genes in any animal more quickly in any animal or plant or any DNA more quickly and efficiently than anything that's, that's come before. Since GMOs have only been around in the sense that we know it today, since 1994, there's a lot of con confusion, misinformation, and misunderstanding surrounding GMOs. When it comes to discourse around GMOs, the question of naturalness is often evoked. Sidney Scott, assistant professor and lead, paper of, lead author of the paper, An Overview of Attitudes Towards Genetically Engineered Foods, has noticed that people tend to view naturalists as sacred and genetically engineered food is a violation of that naturalness. Yet, aside from GMOs, our shelves are filled with products that are processed and, un and unnatural, yet, especially in the United States, very popular. For instance, do the same people who denounce GMOs also drink Coca-Cola? Perhaps this is even less likely, but do people who are scared of tomatoes that ripen faster also eat Taco Bell? I personally consume a lot of microwave meals, and those are surely riddled with preservatives and unnatural components. But I also am not concerned about GMOs, so there's no hypocrisy there. While they not... While GMOs may not be natural to many people's definition, similar to the definition of GMOs, natural is a word with a hazy definition. As environmental historian William Cronin has written, the idea of, natural, of naturalness is a social and human creation in, of, in and of itself. We have given nature some sort of, of supernatural, sacred connotations. Human beings are natural beings. But society often forgets that. Oftentimes, consumers who are concerned about the naturalness of food seek to buy organic food, which has been branded as natural and healthy. Yet, they might be, uh, it might be sad for some people to know that even so-called organic food commonly has GMOs nowadays because GMOs have become so pervasive in society, whether consumers are aware of it or not. Related to the belief that GMOs are unnatural, an additional criticism of GMOs is that people believe they might not be as safe to consume as conventional crops. Specifically, there is a lot of concern about possible unforeseen health effects arising from eating so-called manipulated food. However, according to a summary of a massive study done by the National Academies of the Sciences related to GMOs, despite all the controversy, the genetically modified crops available to date, which are mostly just a few crops engineered to be resistant to herbicides or to pests, are considered just as safe to eat as conventional crops. Scientists believe that GMOs are safe for consumption because the truth is that ever since the first GMO crops hit the market in the 1990s, billions of people worldwide have been consuming GMO crops and GMO ingredients, largely corn, soy, and canola, without any noticeable problems. Scientists haven't found any uptakes in obesity or cancer or gastrointestinal illnesses or allergies that could be plausibly correlated with the introduction of genetically modified foods anywhere in the world. As an American born in the 21st century, you have likely consumed GMO, you have consumed, not even likely, GMO crops, whether you're aware of it or not, since you were born. Next, critics often say that GMOs are bad for the environment because of the related increase in the use of pesticides and herbicides. This is due to the fact that many crops that are harvested each year in the United States have been engineered to become resistant to herbicides. Therefore, herbicides can be used on the croplands to kill the invasive weeds without killing the desired crops. For instance, GMO crops that are resistant to the chemical glyphosate let farmers spray their fields more easily to kill the weeds while protecting the crops. Yet, according to researchers, this is not a concern because current genetically modified crops seem mostly fine for the environment, with insect 
persistent varieties allowing farmers to use fewer chemical pesticides. Although there's a danger that overspraying of herbicide resistant crops has, been, has given rise to herbicide resistant weeds known as super weeds. Similarly, there's evidence that overplanting of BT corn has fostered a new breed of, a new breed of insects uh, resistant to pesticides in some fields. However, resistant plants and pests is not the only issue of increased herbicides because unfortunately, very famously, the decline of monarch butterflies in North America has been linked to the increased use of herbicides spraying on herbicide tolerant crops. Therefore, the increase of herbicides and pesticides related to the rise in GMO crops has had a marked impact on the environment. Although it allows for a greater quantity of crops to be produced because they will not fall prey to suffocating weeds or pillowing pests or to the herbicides themselves. To become aware of how my peers actually view GMOs, I asked some of my friends what their opinions of GMOs are. Nicola Masetic from New York said that if it is not harmful to human bodies, then I am not concerned. If they help the fruit and do not harm the human, I am okay with them. These if statements make it seem that he does not know too much about them. Luke Lytle, who's from Tennessee, also admitted that he does not know too much about them, but that being said, from his understanding, he thinks they are bad for the environment. According to Nicolas Swed, who lives in New York City, it's an incredibly useful technology that allows for better food to be grown in different environments for cheaper. Rebecca Danny Miller from New Jersey believes that they're not bad because that is the narrative that they have heard, but admitted that the truth about GMOs involves more science than the average person would know, so I'm not too sure. Lastly, Bettina Sarduvalu, who's from Maryland, offered an extensive opinion on GMOs. She said that she doesn't hate them, but actually loves them. Quote, I think they should be researched more, though, because they say right now that they do not affect us, but who knows what we will learn in the future. Could they potentially be harming us? Then again, we have been genetically modifying food for centuries. It is safe, as I learned in my human geography classes, but who knows? Maybe scientists will make a mistake, and there'll be a new mutant GMO. She then went on to paint a doomsday picture of a GMO reacting with our stomach acids in an unforeseen way, causing our stomach to explode. I hope Bettina's hypothetical doesn't happen, and I believe it won't. Yet, it is important to be aware that while the public may not know a lot about the facts concerning genetically modified organisms, many scientific bodies are unconvinced that, ge that genetically modified foods pose a, a special environmental threat, so as long as they're used carefully and are researched extensively. Additionally, in general life, in, in general, life sci scientists have a much more positive view of genetically engineered food than lay people. Now that we have learned a lot of the background information about GMOs, let's analyze the pros and cons of GMOs, because the reality is that these genetically, that these genetically manipulated organisms come with some benefits and some disadvantages. For the pros, first, there are fewer pesticides being used. For instance, many GMO crops have been designed to be less vulnerable to insect or pests, which means less pesticides have to be used. Secondly, GMOs are cheaper. By being more efficient, less land, less water, and less pesticides, and overall less resources are needed to grow these crops, thus they are cheaper to produce. Oftentimes, these crops are sold for lower prices since they are produced for lower prices. Third, GMOs have more nutrients. Since crops can be engineered to contain specific nutrients and vitamins, they are actually helpful in reducing nutritional deficiencies. Lastly, a rise in no-till farming. When GMOs when using GMOs, farmers do not have to till the soil because tilling normally removes the weeds, but the use of herbicides kills the weeds instead. This no-till planting helps to maintain soil health and lower fuel and labor use. Now, some cons of GMOs. First, they can increase allergens. 
There's an example of an engineered soybean crop in Brazil triggering nut allergies, so it was not able to be sold on the market. However, before being released, GMO crops to go through extensive allergen testing as this during this allergen testing was when the Brazil crop was uh, actually noticed. Secondly, they can increase antibiotic resistance. Due to the way GMOs are produced, antibiotics are used. While I'm not an expert on the science, it is possible that as a result of the way GMOs are produced, in the future, usual antibiotic treatments could become powerless against new super bacteria that are resistant to our antibiotics. Lastly, a decline in crop diversity and crop rotations. The process of adopting and creating GMOs streamlines options and limits biodiversity, as well as forcing farmers into reproducing specific crops. Now that we know the pros and cons of GMOs, can this crop be helpful to feed the world's growing population? Overpopulation discord has, discourse has been pervasive for centuries, and supranational organizations and governments have pursued family planning measures to lower population levels that they perceive as being too high. However, overpopulation is not a worrying threat because technology has allowed humans to expand Earth's carrying capacity. Is GMO the technology that will support the next wave of population growth? Proponents of GMO genetically modified foods point out that the world's population is expected to grow from 7 billion today to 9.6 billion by 200 by 2050 and that humans will need all the technology they can get their hands on to boost crop yields and feed everyone i am personally in complete agreement and consider myself a proponent of gmos i have extensively researched overpopulation theories and i do believe Thomas Malthus' doomsday thesis that since population grows geometrically and food production grows arithmetically, there's bound to be disastrous strikes on population, including mass misery and death. Humanity's population has increased by 6 billion from the time Malthus claimed that Earth had reached its carrying capacity. And this population is supported through technology endeavors. So I am in complete denial and I reject Malthus's doomsday, doomsday theory. As the University of Minnesota's John Foley has pointed out, there are many other ways to ensure there's enough food for everyone, from curbing food waste, which we talked about extensively in class, to making sure farmers in poor countries have access to fertilizer and modern agricultural methods. Food technology will only get better as genetically, mod as genetically modified organisms and genetic engineering as a field improves as well. Technology might one day soon allow us to develop crops that better tolerate heat and drought or are more, more nutritious or are more efficient at photosynthesis. Food that is more nutritious could also be produced, which would help solve malnutrition troubles around the world. Already half of the U.S. cropland and 12% of the world's cropland is used to grow genetically modified crops, and I only see this improving. Since the discourse around GMOs is notoriously confusing, it provides the perfect opportunity for environmental groups to capitalize on the public's fear of the unknown, especially as it relates to big emotional triggers of personal health and safety. Monster analogies graph nicely onto such gray areas. And that is why the GMO discourse, such as in a similar manner to the overpopulation discourse, has become pervasive with uh, untruths and lies and misinformation. Even though genetically modified organisms have become more pervasive, especially in the United States, 15 years ago, only 17% of consumers avoided GMOs, but now nearly half try to avoid GMOs. In addition to societal confusion, there's a lot of legal and re regulatory confusion and controversy surrounding GMOs, because biomedical and agricultural companies that create GMOs have been legally allowed to have pat patents over the biological material that they produce in the lab. However, this is not... Con this is contentious because, as has been discussed immensely in class, the technology they're selling is seeds. They're patently protecting seeds. These seeds have rich 
cultural, and even spiritual associations that a manufactured consumer product or an invention does not. Seeds have historically been part of the natural world that belongs to everyone and nobody, just like dirt or the ocean. Yet these huge, huge multinational companies seek to have patents because the discover, discovery, development, and authorization of a new GMO plant, a new GMO genetically modified organism costs $136 million on average, and companies would not have been willing to make such an investment without a period of exclusivity and profitability granted by these patents. Therefore, companies argue that GMOs would not even be produced without the financial incentive and protections offered by patents. Patents do have an expiration date, and this eventual free access is one way GMOs could developed by private companies could bring about public benefit, but this would not be until decades in the future. A famous multinational agriculture agrochemical company known as Monsanto, which you might have heard of, has since become notorious for allegedly abusing legal rights. Monsanto has famously entered legal battles of all over the world by targeting farmers who use their patent-protected seeds without proper copyright authorization. One case famous in pop culture involves Percy Smizer versus Monsanto. This case is between a Canadian farmer who was sued by Monsanto for planting and harvesting crops that contained genetic material that was patent protected by Monsanto after these seeds were deposited by the wind from a nearby farm who did have the authority to use Monsanto's seeds. In the United States, legal qualms involving Monsanto even made it to the Supreme Court. In 1994, in Bowman versus Monsanto, the Supreme Court justices sided with Monsanto and determined that because the product in question is a seed, using the seed to grow a crop and then harvesting those seeds for future use constitutes creating copies of a patented item, which is prohibited. Thus, farmers cannot grow saved seeds without the patent holder's permission. As one commenter on Amazon said, whether or not you believe that GMOs are safe for human consumption, you want to avoid GMOs at all costs because of the unbelievable greed of biotechnology corporations. Thus, uh, Monsanto has ruined the image of GMOs for consumers. Monsanto first gained international notoriety when their seeds were sold in Europe in 19... 1996. Although so, those seeds were approved by the European Union, consumers rebelled in England. Grocery store chains pushed back. Tabloids printed stories about Frankenfoods and environmental groups such as Greenpeace swung into action with high-profile campaigns. Even Prince Charles, a longtime supporter of organic farming, wrote a newspaper editorial opening that genetic engineering takes mankind into realms that belong to God and to God alone. Thus, Monsanto makes a bad image of good science. Monsanto has stained the debate and made GMOs have a bad connotation and reputation to consumers all around the world. Additionally, according to Priti Ramamuthi, a feminist political ecologist, after deducting the royalty of 150 rupees for Bulgard technology paid to Monsanto, another 200 rupees for marketing, I estimate that seed companies are making about 274 rupees per packet of seed, a, margin, a profit a massive profit margin of 36%. As was researched in India, this profit-driven patent process means that GMOs are often unaffordable for, to farmers, especially on the small scale and in lower-income countries, yet they are a major moneymaker for companies like Monsanto. All in all, the GMO debate is convoluted, and just like all the great dramas of humanity, there are heroes and villains. GMOs are highly misunderstood. They're, however, they are not monstrous freaking food. Instead, most of the GMOs grown today were developed to help farmers prevent crop loss. As a reminder, the three most common traits found in GMO crops are resistance to, insects, resistance to insect damage, tolerance to herbicides, and resistance to, resistance to plant viruses. It is important to break free from the mischaracterization of GMOs and realize that when you are shopping at a grocery store, genetically modified products are safe to eat. Americans have been eating GMO crops for decades. 
I hope that genetically modified crops can help humanity solve some of the most harrowing problems such as overpopulation or at least feeding a growing population. I hope I have I hope I have helped inform you about genetically modified organisms so that you can become a more informed consumer.